always in your blood. My spider senses are starting to tingle. Just hang on to your lariat. Wonder what kind of a speed I'm getting into. And welcome to Behind the Panels, issue 105, the comic book show that's a few infinity gems shy of a full glove. I'm Richard Gray. I'm David McVeigh. In this issue, DC adds a new Batman family title to its lineup that makes an even dozen books that you probably aren't reading. Then, a near-mint copy of Action Comics number one turns up on eBay that's almost as exciting as the shirtless tiger photo of Superman that just turned up on Tinder. <laughs> also, it's Hex, Dark Ages, Batman and more in what we've been reading, and a very special announcement for about the show, plus our kick-ass pick of the week, Thanos, The Infinity Revelation, an original graphic novel by Jim Stalin. This is Behind the Panels. Taking you back to 1972 with the Raspberries, Go All The Way. Available now on the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Awesome mix number one. Awesome mix number one. (laughs) Um, You can actually, that soundtrack is now number one uh, on the Billboard charts in uh, the US, which is amazing because it's apparently the first time an album with entirely... Uh, uh, archival material or a soundtrack album has made it number one of the Billboard charts. Is this since Pulp Fiction or ever? I think because Pulp Fiction was all uh, was all was, was the album of choice for a long. Yeah, it's true, time. but it also had like you know the the. Um, I like, didn't. I didn't. It had score, sound clips. It had, it had uh, sound, sound clips yeah. and stuff like that. Can I yeah. start this show by just saying, "Man down, man down, man down." <laughs> we we are down. You probably didn't hear, um, and I'm Dave Longo. Uh, no, it's more like this. And I'm Dave Longo. <laughs> no, actually, he doesn't say hi. He just goes, Dave, Dave Longo. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. We love you. No, Dave's off. I uh, miss him. Oh, I miss him too. Dave's off shooting in the Blue Mountains. Actually, I should clarify that. He's shooting a film. <laughs> He's not actually up in the mountains endangering the wildlife. <laughs> Doing Wolf Creek 3. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't actually told us what it is. It could well be Wolf Creek 3. It could well be. I don't know. He's He's been very cryptic about what they're shooting. Yeah, so. look, I mean, uh, those of you who don't know, Dave Longo is also a filmmaker. Yeah. So we're going to lose him for a, a few chunks throughout August and September. Uh, Including a very special day, but we'll come back to that. Which so. we're going to make an announcement soon. It's a yeah. shame that he can't make that one, but we're still very excited I'm about it. Just keeping this day. people listening. There's going to be something coming up. There's just something coming <laughs> up. But uh, just before before we get on to the fun stuff, uh, we have to take a moment to, to recognize um, a loss this week. And I just want to pay tribute to that person uh, in our vintage clip of the week. What am I? Some kind of judge or lawyers? <laughs> Maybe not, but I know what law suits me. <sighs> Careful, they don't ruffle me feathers. What am I? I ain't no physicist, but I know what matters. What am I? I'm Popeye, the sailor. And I am what I am, what I am, what I am, what I am, and that's all that I am, because I am what I am. You got it? I think so. Yeah. And I've got a lot of muscle, and I only got one eye, and I never hurt nobody's, and I'll never tell a lie. Talk to 
me a bottom from the bottom to my top. That's the way it is till the days of that drop. What am I? Ah, yes, that was the late, great Robin Williams playing Popeye in Robert Altman's version of Popeye from the early 80s. Not his greatest film. Not his greatest <laughs> film, but it is his clearest comic book connection. Yes. But um, I, I picked that out because, uh, as you probably all know by now, uh, we lost one of the greats this week. Yeah, it was profoundly sad. I don't think I've spoken to a single person who hasn't in some way felt sad and directly uh, by the death of Robin Williams because there is not a single film and we're talking both comedies and dramas here uh, and those ones that kind of, uh, you know, sat somewhere on the on the line in between uh, that, that haven't personally affected me at some stage in my life. I remember, uh, you know, Dead Poet Society making me weep as a teenager because there's not a single character in that that I didn't identify with at some stage. I remember the... the, the uh the, the the shock the the joyful shock of seeing him in Good Morning Vietnam, Good Morning and, Vietnam. and delivering such a heartfelt performance mm. at the same time as having the usual Robin Williams liveliness and everything else. That's but right. there was such delicate, poignant moments in that film, and you sit there going, "Wow, I, I actually oh, didn't know he was capable." And of we it, can't you know? forget things like you know the Fisher King, or, oh, one of my or, favorites, or, or even uh, Good Will Hunting, and and all those films where he he played against type. And, you know, most recently he, he was playing very much his type on television mm. uh, across from Sarah Michelle Gellar. Uh, and he wasn't afraid of taking chances too. If you remember One Hour Photo when he played the villain. I mean, the look, One Hour Photo is is a magnificent performance. If you haven't yeah. seen One Hour Not Photo. Not a great film, but no. he is his mesmerizing. Is, it. is, yeah. It's phenomenal. And look, you know, we, we this is this is we're not a film show, and we're not doing a, a geek movie club or a film actually this week. But we we couldn't let uh, this go without making some sort of acknowledgement of. We should also acknowledge the fact that he was actually one of the front runners, and really they wanted him very badly to play Riddler in the Batman. Yes, in the early he, uh, in the eighties, nineties Batman films. He was actually he's a huge comic book fan himself, mm. and he was a huge advocate. Uh, for a lot of comic books and comic book films, so uh, so we've lost one of it. We've lost a fellow geek, yes. as well. Um, uh, so and and you know, not least of which are the circumstances, uh, 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 you know, around his death. So yeah. and look, you know, on that, on a personal note, I like to say anybody who is suffering from depression, reach out. Mm. Okay, I mean, I am someone who has struggled with depression most of my life. Um, you noticed a few absences from yes. from our show earlier this year. I had a particularly bad bout. I had friends and family, uh, including uh, the man sitting in this room today, <laughs> uh, David McVeigh, who supported me through that, and I wouldn't have got through it. But if you don't have anyone to talk to, there's always somebody. There's always Lifeline. There's always suicide helplines. There's always all these places you can reach out to. So absolutely, just do it. If you if you if you're struggling, let somebody know. Okay, absolutely. and that's that's the that's the main message because you get through these things eventually with the help of people. And, and good things happen eventually, um, mm. like our next thing that we're going to talk about because uh, the start of this year was uh, a bit shit for me. Uh, <laughs> just but, a bit. Just a bit. But uh, coming out on the other side of that, we have, we're have we very, very pleased to announce, if you follow us on social media, you've already seen this. You know we're huge supporters of Oz Comic Con. We have been for the last couple of years. Now, finally, behind the panels, we're doing its very first live shows at Oz Comic Con Sydney this year on September 13th and 14th. We'll be doing a show on each day. To quote Bill and Ted's, no 
Way. <laughs> Way. <laughs> so for those of you in Sydney who want to travel to Sydney for this exciting event, uh, it's, it's at the, the Exhibition Centre on Glebe Island. Uh, you can buy tickets now on um, ozcomicon.com. Of course, we'll be giving away tickets to the event on the website as well on behindthepanels.net. So look out for that. Um, we are doing two live shows. We're doing one on each of the days, but be aware that if you're only coming to one day, you're not going to miss much because mm. it will be the, essentially the same show, just different guests. Yeah, so, so the if first only, half of the show will be very similar. Yeah, but if you can only come to one, that's okay. It's it's, it's yeah. okay. That's it's support enough. So so look, I mean, like if you come out there just to see us, and we've already had a few people who've, who've, who've said they're going to come out to see yeah, us. Which we're going to have giveaways. Very so. humbling. We're going to have giveaways. Um, we, we, haven't, we haven't 100% um, got that nailed down in writing yet, but um, a, a local Sydney comic book store has has uh, agreed to give us some stuff to, to give away at that so uh, we are very excited we we are terrified and excited <laughs> uh, we're more terrified of people not showing up so if you're in sydney or you know people in sydney who are going send them our way we got to fill 120 seats people so yeah. let's let's so, do this <laughs> uh, twice twice, twice. <laughs> so, let's uh so we're very excited about this you know and you know there's only so many time only so many seats that our mothers and friends can fill <laughs> <so>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so very excited about that. Uh, this is this is what we've been working towards. So just house. to clarify, it's going to be us doing the show, and we will have uh, guests in on the show, which yes. Oz Comic Con will be supplying for us. Yeah. So, so ha- have a look at the the guest page on on OzComicCon dot com to be, see if it'll be somebody from that it'll list. be somebody from that list. <laughs> we're, we're mostly trying to get some uh, comics guests yes. there as well. But the book we'll be doing is Batman: The Killing Joke, which so we've been putting off. We've been putting off for ages. It was going to be our hundredth episode, but um, we ended up getting the interview with Tom and Nicola for that episode, yes. which was which was even better. Uh, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to uh, bring you that live very quickly, live and in colour for the first time. <laughs> so uh, those of you who can't make the show, don't worry. It is being recorded, of course. It will be episodes 109 and 110, I believe, of mm-hmm. the on the Behind the Panels and Geek Actually feeds. So uh, look out for that um, around mid-September. So. And, and just to clarify, so, you know, it is our show. It's not like we're just going to get up on stage and talk about it. So we're no. do- we're recording. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. We're going to record the show live on stage. We we want people who don't listen to the show to know what we do. Yeah, we want to so. be. We want pe- we want the audience to be loud. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you come, bring your voice with you as well. Yep. And and you know some of the giveaways. But not your vuvuzelas. No, no. <laughs> so if if you come and you ask a good question, you might be a winner of one of those things we're giving away. So. Uh, Looking forward to seeing you there. I'm I'm stoked. This is something I've been wanting to do for ages. Mm. Uh, I think uh, you know me a little bit of a show pony. I'm, I'm not. I'm a show pony. You know. Yeah. <laughs> on this show, I'm a show pony. Uh, on on stage, I'm going to be a full blown horse. Ooh, oh, oh, phrasing. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else there for a minute too, but that's all right. <laughs> well, speaking of, of odd phrasing, let's 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 just hit up this section to get me out of this awkward bit of uh, <laughs> innuendo. Well, looks like we got ourselves a reader. Read between the lines, bitch. How good is that going to sound on stage? Oh, yeah. Too? Yeah. <laughs> um, Coming so, through the PA system. Oh, oh, it's going to be wonderful. There is part of me that thinks we should make video for it. but that's. <laughs> oh, I was thinking that too. Let's, let's see what we can do. We'll, we, we've we'll, got about four weeks. Yeah, we, we we'll can. figure it out. Some of it will be. Some of it will have clips, some we won't. I've so. got some ideas for the Vintage Clip of the Week. Thing, How cool so. is it going to be able to be able to do Vintage Clip in video? In video. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's going to be awesome. That will be 
Oh, I'm I'm already excited. We're stoked, people. We're stoked. We're Tell st- your friends. We're st- we're stoked, so, but we still got a show to do. So. Let's move on. <laughs> um, our first book that came out this week. These are the releases for the 13th of August, 2014. Boom Studios released Hexed number one, and that reason this caught my attention is because the arts by Emma Rios, who uh, of course does Pretty Deadly mm. with Kelly Sue. David, this is one that surprisingly uh, jumped out at me as one of the good ones this week. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and also really considering that she does Pretty Deadly, the art style is completely different. Absolutely. Um, uh, Hexed has a much cleaner, much more classic comic book style to it with a slightly bent twist. Uh, this was out of nowhere, and I really enjoyed it, basically following the story of a character called Lucifer, uh, who is a girl. Don't call her Lucy. Don't call her Lucy, uh, who is basically a, a, a petty thief. She's a thief who goes around and steals art and stuff like that, but she has has some Actually, serious sorry, no, it says here illustrated by Dan Mora. It was solicited as being um... Oh, maybe well then maybe that's why it doesn't look like Emma Rios. Yeah, it's solicited <laughs> as Emma Rios. Maybe she's doing further. Uh, you know what she might be doing the cover? Ah uh, she does the cover. The that's cover. where her name is. Okay. Ah, there you go. No, that's why it doesn't look like her. I'm ah, very surprised. But the art is really nice in it. Um and she basically has some serious magic mojo. Um, and yes. it's all dealing with the underworld and stuff like that. This is a really interesting read, and I'm, I'm very curious to see where this goes. I, I love, I love the intern that they've got. Who's started, who's <laughs> Can suddenly, I get paid now? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when suddenly confronted with all the magic and mysticism, she goes, "I, I want to get paid now." Yeah. <laughs> well, she was fantastic, and I think that the final page, the the solution, which I'm not going to spoil here, is it took me off guard. I didn't expect that happening. The, the one that I wasn't as impressed with uh, was, and I thought I would be, which the uh, New Dead Wardians team of Dan Abnett and um, INJ Colbert. I was looking forward to this. Me too. And we, we did Ed New Dead Wardians way back, um, mm. probably way back when uh, Dave Longo was still a guest on the show. Yes. Um, and this is their new book that's set in uh, Europe, early winter, 1333. Uh, so it is the Dark Ages. Pretty much. Hence the title. Now, David, this this... How would you describe this? It's, it's. I felt that the whole book just little felt a little bit slapdash. The art is kind of rough. It feels like a rough draft. It doesn't feel like a finished book. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it, it's obviously a stylistic choice. Oh, absolutely. I don't doubt that this is exactly what they wanted to do. I just for uh, I expected more from the writing of Dan Abnett because we know what he's capable mm. of. The writing feels uh, sloppy. It feels unedited. Is what it feels. It, it only started getting interesting to me when they bring one of their injured people. They've been attacked by a demon basically, yeah. and they bring one of their injured into this monastery. And there's one guy who's running around, one monk running around going, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here, they're here. And everybody else is silent. Yeah. And that, to me, that was the far more intriguing part of the book. But everything leading up to that was just a little bit flat. And the mystery in that, you're right, the, those final pages, the adding the mystery of the fact, why are the monks putting him into a shroud? Mm. Why are they quiet? You know, why is that guy ranting? And then there's that final shot, the final page with the big black area in the sky. Yeah. And you just think, okay, this is kind of interesting. But... Up until that point, I just felt like I'm really not in this story at all. No, and I, I just didn't. It, it just didn't gel with me at all. But mm. uh, heading over to DC, uh, we had a lot of we had three bat related books out this week that were worth talking about. Batgirl, and all I'm going to say to that is two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, it depends. We might have different. Uh, two. <laughs> yeah, let's have a look. I don't think we do actually. Uh, Batgirl thirty four is is pretty much winding up. Uh, it was bittersweet. Gail Simone's. It's a run. really good book. Yeah, but it was bittersweet because it's the last one, basically. Because we've got a bit of an epilogue after this with the future's end stuff, mm. and then we're into the new people who, which is look in and of itself looks fine. Like it looks like a fine book, but it's not our book that we've it's not fallen our in love and, with over the last three the years. The thing is, it's know? not my Batgirl now. No. And I don't know if it's... I, I don't like the look of the new Batgirl. It's a personal thing. It's, it's um, a real shame. Yeah. Uh, but 
I, I like the look of the new Batgirl, but I'd like it as a separate book. Yeah. Um, I'd like this to continue. Like Ms. Marvel, opposite Captain Marvel, just kind of going with the different... It's frustrating because yeah. they've built such a great story yes. behind this and there's so many places they can go because over in Batman Eternal, which is sort of affecting all these books, Gordon's in, in jail and all that sort of stuff. So she's dealing with that in yeah. addition to dealing with everything else. So there's so much character layer that that that, that Simone was dealing with and she's, effortlessly. And she's turned Barbara Gordon into a compelling character. Barbara yeah. Gordon is a really interesting character as Batgirl. The, the inner turmoil that is going through her constantly about trying to balance everything is mm. really interesting. And I just I worry that we've built over 34 issues. We've put depth to this character that they're just going to throw out the window. Yeah, and they've even got like with her and her roommate, they've even got kind of a, um, you know, a Matt Murdock, Foggy Nelson kind yeah. of relationship going on, except she doesn't know. But uh, exactly. did you think she was going to tell her in those final yeah. panels? I really thought she was yeah. going to tell she, her. She, she thinks she's worked out Barbara Gordon's secret. And what she works works out isn't too far off the mark, yeah. but but um, at least she now there's an understanding between them that Babs does something dangerous uh, at mm. night. And, uh, you know, so they have to go. But magnificent moment, sort of showstopper moment in this was uh, Batgirl bringing her army. Oh, man. What yeah. a conclusion. I mean, this Nightfall story has been going on and off throughout the entire run uh, of this series. And, and Simone's it, done her own thing, and it's because she, she brought she basically brought the, her, her birds of prey back. Pretty much. Uh, this, um, and so we've got Nightfall basically saying she's going to put her army out in the streets and kill every criminal. That's, how, that's her ultimate solution yes. is to do this. And Batgirl's worked it out. And there's that great line where she goes, how did you hack my database? She goes, computers. Turns out I'm pretty good at them. Yeah. <laughs> well, Oracle does turn up somewhere else this week. That's we'll talk true. About we'll talk that about that in a moment. moment. But the idea that Batgirl literally calls on her friends, and we've got everybody from Starfire on the streets. You know, uh, it's just like she's brought the DC universe. Oh yeah. To, to to battle an army, you bring an army, and she brings <laughs> her own army, and it's fabulous. Look, you know, this is it'll, it'll be a real shame not just to lose that story, but to lose Gal Simone from DC yes. as well. So. Um, Although yeah. apparently Gail Simone is kind of still kicking around with a webcomic. So. She is kicking around. She's doing uh, – we may as well talk about that yeah, now. Yeah, let's do that uh, now. Sensational uh, – uh, Comics. Sensational comics, comics with Wonder, Wonder Woman. Woman. Which is a little bit like the Adventures of Superman webcomic mm. they've done and the equivalent for the Batman one. It, it, the idea is that every couple of issues a new new writer comes on, new artist comes on. This first one is – This is one of four, I think. Yeah, yeah. so this first one's Gail Simone and Ethan Van Shiva, I think, yeah. uh, is doing the art. Um, and it's just your classic Wonder Woman story. Uh, yeah, so the basic storyline here is that uh, Batman has suffered an accident. We're not quite sure what the results of that are. Oracle... It's got to be herpes though, right? <laughs> uh, Gotham City is turning to crap because no, no Batman and Oracle calls in a favor and brings in Wonder Woman to do it Gotham style though, which is yeah, the one I love. She yeah. says, you've got to do it Gotham style. So she actually brings Wonder Woman batarangs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and it's just good old fashioned Wonder Woman. None, and, of, none of this uh, Azarello stuff. None of, you know, it's not the New Fifty Two. No. It's just its own thing. You've got old characters coming back. You've got classic Bab- Joker. You've got Babs as the Oracle. Yeah. So it was Simone basically saying, "This is me writing the it's, story it's, it's I wrote fun. five years ago." This is this is Comicsology uh, uh, digital exclusive. I don't know if it's Comicsology, but it's digital. It's exclusive. DC digital. It's a digital. Yeah. Yeah. DC digital. Go get it. It's cheap. It's only like twelve pages. Really fast. Um, it's a lot of fun. Really liked it. The other big DC book that came out this week is Batman 34. So now that zero years over, this is the the, the, the single issue that we get in between 
uh, runs. Harper Rowe was the name of the character. Yes. When yes. When she's not in this, by the way. But when she I, should have been. When in I this. was listening back to last week's <laughs> issue, hearing myself struggle around the name, all of us well, struggling. All of us were, yeah. Uh, I, I, I sort of, I was almost yelling at myself, Harper Rowe, Harper Rowe, because it, it suddenly came to me a week later. Harper Rowe. Uh, thank you. But we don't get the Harper Rowe issue that we were expecting. We get instead a, a one-off. Um, Batman story, which is it's you know it's about the the bodies in Potter's field, basically. But it feels and so out of place, though. And it that, does really feel out of place. The art style is completely different to Greg Capullo's as and, well, and it's not actually written by Snyder. It's story by Snyder. It's actually got a script by two other people. Or yeah, Jerry Jerry Duggan, yeah. uh, story by and written by. Yeah, it's 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 Scott Snyder co-plotted. Yeah, uh, with Jerry Duggan, and uh, it was written by Jerry Duggan. There's actually a lot less dialogue. The, in this, so. <laughs> <laughs> the art I love on this is Matteo Scalera's art because it looks a little bit like the Batman stories we saw in a few anthologies a few months ago that were done by uh, Sean Murphy, mm. uh, who magnificent artist, um, and because he's kind of got like you know the, the, the Batmobile coming out with all the speed lines yep. flying around it, and speed lines are something that have sort of gone out of fashion a little bit, but then came back with people like Sean Murphy. So it's a really uh, it's a really dynamic style. Um, and I, I really, really, really like the look of the book. So it's my my personal sort of mm. style of art because I love I love the coloring on this as well. Uh, Lee Luffridge does the colors right. on this, and Lee Luffridge is one of the the top colorists in the business. But yeah, look, story wise, it was just a little little bit uh, anomalous. I, did, I didn't dislike it. I just kind of felt like after zero year, I wanted to come back with something really strong. Well, we will. We've got a new arc starting yeah. next month. Uh, either come back with start the new arc really strong, or give us a Harper issue, but which now is what it, have always been really. It's good. now been about a year and a bit since we had the last Batman issue set in you know in contemporary yeah. yeah in continuity with the other ones, and it's like. What happened after Death in the Family? Yeah, like, I've actually. Is it going to pick up immediately after Death in the Family because all the other books have moved on? Like, what's going to happen? Well, yeah, because we you've gonna... got all the other books with them saying they're having that that rocky relationship with Batman still, and they don't want to talk to him at all because of the events of Death. But we completely went away from that. Yeah. So now it's like, oh, what, 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 what? Where are we? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, but a book we can always rely on to be so much fun. Yes, is... Mr. J. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be Harley Quinn uh, or, or Killer Quinn <laughs> is, is her, uh, was her, uh, uh, what do you call it? The Roller uh, Derby. Roller, Roller, Roller Derby, yeah. But I think she's gone off to, to Skate she's Club. Done, well, yeah, she's gone to Skate Club well, now. This yeah. is going to be serious You don't talk stuff. about, first rule of Skate Club is you don't talk about <laughs> Skate Club. Look, uh, different artist, um, on, on this one, um, the um, I have the book in front of me at the moment. So I can't look up the artist, but it, it's it's so it's a very different style to uh, Chad Harwin's uh, sort of very Connor esque art that's mm. been uh, on the last few issues. But still, you've got Paul Mounts doing the colours, so you've got some sort of continuity there with the, with Amanda Connor's previous look. Oh, and um, you got Connor's cover, which is gorgeous and as well. Yeah, Connor's colors Connor are cover. Connor's cover. Connor's cover. You've got Harley Quinn in cuffs. <laughs> I, mean, you know. I want. It is one of the most gorgeous covers, and it's a cheeky cover too. Um, the, uh, the the story is basically about a, a fan of Harley Quinn who who kidnaps her and holds her in a, in a gilded cage, <laughs> and but she uh, um, uh, ultimately ends up psycho talking him. Like I love uh, the fact that she even looks like uh, uh, Quinzel when yeah. she's doing it. Like she, even though she's got her Harley Quinn makeup on and stuff, yeah, yeah. she's she immediately goes into like therapist mode, except for the fact that she's carrying a pizza cutter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's a wonderful issue, uh, full of humor, as yeah. as as Palmiotti and Connor always are. I don't think they're capable of doing it without it, though. Even if you read like Painkiller Jane and stuff, I don't think in particular Palmiotti is capable of actually not having humor. It's what he does. Yeah. Uh, um, I also love in this book, though, there's that wonderful, subtle uh, uh, reference to Marvel at one point yes. where she talks about her lawyer back in New York. Uh, His blind lawyer. Who's her blind lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Works out of Hell's Kitchen, yeah. And there's a nice little cameo in there from Cyborg from a yes. few issues ago as well. So. Cyborg? Cyborg. Uh, wonderful, uh, wonderful book. Highly recommend it. The uh, Godzilla Cataclysm, I don't want to spend much, too much time no. on this. The only reason it was worth having a look at is Cullen Bunn wrote. Uh, wrote the book and he's doing things like Magneto and what have you at the moment. So I want to take a look. It's, it's basically a very standard uh, Godzilla book. It's very much like the Godzilla film in the sense that you don't see the kaiju much. No. Um, the only real difference is it's post. Uh, it's it's a post-apocalyptic world. Basically, the, the monsters yeah. have destroyed everything. It's been twenty-five years since we've seen the monsters, and and, and basically the mankind is living in like tent town shanty yeah. towns, and they go on scavenging runs and stuff like that. And it's like the fear of the monsters may come back. Yeah. So look, you know, it's not it's nothing to write Which, home about. Spoilers, people, they do. So you know, yeah. genius number two. Uh, it's still an interesting story. This is one we talked about last week, so they got two issues back to back. Um, this is the one where uh, there's a cop who's convinced one person is running all of the crime in the, in the city, and they all talk like this, yo. Yeah, they 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 talk <laughs> like they got something wrong, fool. And and it, it, it's actually written like that. Yes. We, we we don't we don't have to imagine them talking. Oh, like we're not that. even doing it justice either. No. It, it is more extreme. Listen, than listen that. to last week's show. I quoted directly. Yeah. Um. And the, the cops getting a little bit closer to to finding out. Uh. You know who 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 destiny who is this. Uh, mm. Uh, female gang lord that is running the entire crime It looks like she's like 17. I mean, she's quite young, yeah. yeah. But she's a genius. Yes. I think it's the title. Um, oh, that's what the title's about. Oh. Right, it all falls into place now. God, I'd normally take me up to issue five <laughs> to get that. Uh, but yes, no, that was that was a um, uh, great issue. Again, it's the, the speech patterns that annoys me. Uh, other than that, I love the concept. That was love... the problem I had with the first issue was mm. the fact that it was just... He's toted it down a little bit. Yeah, I really bit. enjoyed the story. I really liked the concept. I liked the art. It's just the dialogue. Was this issue focuses more on the cop, so Good. that's probably why it, it sounds a little bit different. Uh, also out this week, original sin number seven. Now this is uh, a massive. Ma- this is the penultimate issue of this whole thing, and even though it has crossed over into other books, and there's been point issues as well. In yeah, between. which which like I haven't been keeping no. up with the point issues, but. It's still you don't miss much by it. you. You can just read this this series mm. and get the main story, which has been a big difference from what Marvel have been doing the last couple of ones. Uh, this is a great issue as well. This is a great series, actually. I kind of I, mean, I was kind of dismissive of this of this series a few months ago. When well, whenever it first number started. eight comes out, we might do the whole thing. As we a pick. may do it as a pick because it was actually I went through and I caught up and everything, and I read I read issue seven as well with it, and I've really enjoyed this. Mm. I've really enjoyed. The mystery surrounding it for the first four issue, five issues, and then once it's kind of coming into what the main storyline is now, you're kind of going, "Wow, this is actually really intriguing," and it's a really different take on Nick Fury. Yes, um, I won't spoil it for you. No, it's a big, big twist uh, in this this issue. And well. I'm also really, I love the fact that they introduce. We talked about this in a previous yes. issue. Introduced the Orb as a B B level, B level villain coming into yeah, it, yeah, yeah. and is now suddenly you're going, "This is actually a really interesting character." Mm. There's something really interesting about the way he is dealing with, and the fact that he's seeing visions and stuff like that, and he's kind of being called yes. by all of this. 
really intriguing. But this issue in particular was very important because it's setting the foundations for the new Thor. Yeah, for those of you who have seen the, the very highly publicized um, female Thor coming mm. in a couple of months' time, I think, uh, this is the origins of that by the yeah. looks of it. And it's a, it's a hell of an issue for, for that reason alone. But so much is going on. They're planting so many seeds. And yes, that does mean that it's going to be what we complained about with so many books. It might just be setting up a whole bunch of other things. It's a series that sets up a whole bunch of other things. But so far, we yes, we still have one issue to go. So far, it's been an excellent story by itself. All this needs to do now to, to satisfy me is it needs to conclude its story in issue eight. Mm. All those seeds can then lead off to other things as long as it concludes the main story its story. Concludes, yeah. If it doesn't conclude and says to be continued in whatever. Yeah, as long as we get, we find out who the killer is. Exactly. In issue eight. And so as long as we conclude it in series, come on Marvel, you can do this. <laughs> as long as you conclude this in issue it's eight. It's only going to be like two weeks away or something, I'm sure. Yeah. So, um, speaking of murders, uh, United States of Murder number Inc. number four came out this week. This is still a solid series. Uh some people may say it's powers light. I know you you certainly felt I, that. I like this series though. It's it is you can see the the the, mm. the, the uh, connections between the two, just in their styles. Same writer, same, same artist, writer, of course. Same it's artist, be, yeah. But it's also the same structure. It's uh, the main protagonist, female, yes. female uh, sidekick. Uh, you mm. know, it's, it's, it's all over. They've got this really. It's very similar structure. You, you get a little bit more backstory about the rise of the mobs and how basically the World Trade Center, because this is basically an alternative universe where mm. um, the mob runs everything like openly and publicly. Yeah. Um, you see how the World Trade Center got converted into a massive casino in, in, in this uh, in this issue. So it's really really good. The f- last book we'll talk about quickly. Just very quickly before you go oh, on sorry. to that, though, with this, uh, the one thing I will say about United States of Murder and Powers, this is where Bendis still rocks. Oh, yeah. um, we have a hard time with Bender sometimes with the way he's been handling his Marvel books and stuff like that. I just think it's because he's handling too many. He's too many. But when he's doing his creator own stuff, this is where he's rocking. That's where his passion is. And and you you go right back to his beginnings, you know, his, his things like... Uh, goldfish and and yeah, yeah. All, all those. Oh, what's what the book we did? Uh, Fire. Fire. Yeah. Fire is a magnificent yeah. book. All, all those books. Uh, just uh, when he's doing a passion project, yeah, you can tell that's where his skill and talent is. Yeah, and which they, is probably he's, why he's so excited about the Power series coming out because it's actually his own creator-owned work being realized on the big screen. And I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, the other series I'm enjoying right now, new issues have just come out on Comixology for Scarlet, which I'm really yes. enjoying, I'm really yeah, enjoying yeah, as yeah. well. Once again, another creator-owned book. Yeah, so. no, he, he does. Look, you know, there's a reason why he's one of the biggest names in the industry, and it's not necessarily his flagship books like, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. A lot of X-Men. it was the Avengers, though. Let's face a lot it. of it was the Avengers <laughs> and Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. So Ultimate Spider-Man is where I first discovered Ben. And his run on the Avengers was stellar. There's no doubt and about it. And his first, you know, few dozen oh his first 80 90 issues of ultimate spider-man yeah. remain some of the best spider-man stories you're, you're gonna get anywhere um so finally speaking of spider-man spider-man 2099 number two came loving out. this book it's a fantastic book loving this book i love this book and i love i love the way he interacts with people i love that scene where he's talking to the super in this book where yeah, he says yeah, yeah, what's yeah. wrong with you and she gets all mad at him but more 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 than that, though, I love the fact that she goes, do you want an avion? He goes, what's avion? She yeah. goes, it's water. He goes, where I'm from, water is just water. No, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so you've got that whole fish out of water thing, but but he's uh, he, he actually says in this issue, I just told them I'm from the future and they all think I'm joking anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I love – I actually laughed out loud I think two or three times during this book. He's, he is a really funny character just in the way he relates. And I love the fact that at one point when he's talking to his computer and she says everything will be fine, but he goes, how do you know it? She goes, I don't. I'm just making you feel better. <laughs> And so, you know, complicating matters is he's got his boss, yes. um, you know, who's, who's, who knows that he is a Spider-Man uh, and comes and actually confronts him about him in this yeah. issue, which is, which is great. But I love, I love the, uh, one of the solutions to that, which is his little wristband that's got his, his, his basically his version of Al yeah. uh, in, in his wristband, gives him this futuristic-looking suit. And they said, why, why did you make me make such an elaborate suit? And he goes, that's what people in this era think people from the future look like. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that his first solution when she goes, you are such a... And he, in his mind, he basically... And you don't know it's in his mind at first. He just throws <laughs> her out the, the window. window. <laughs> <laughs> and then he comes back and he goes, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> so really funny, really fun. Love this book. Yes. Uh, we should probably move on to some news headlines because, uh, God, we've been talking for 32 minutes already. I know. How did that happen? And Longo's not even here. I know. <laughs> we always say the issues where Longo's not here will go short. We usually go longer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's have some news headlines. And DC Comics will release another Batman title in November with Gotham by Midnight taking a look at Gotham's supernatural side with Ray Fawkes writing and Ben Templesmith on art duties. Following a strong opening weekend, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel has been announced for the 3rd of June 2016. Video game developers Overkill will team with Robert Kirkman's Skybound Entertainment to develop a cooperative first-person shooter based on, you guessed it, The Walking Dead. <laughs> the 10th annual Joel Schuster Awards for Canadian comic book creators will induct hey. three new members into its Hall of Fame. Golden Age creators Cy Bell and Edmund Good, along with veteran cartoonist Ty Templeton. Michael J. Shaw has been cast as Papa Midnight on TV's Constantine. Mm, that series sounded good. Mm. The cast of Sony's Powers has expanded with Eddie Izzard as Wolf, Australia's Noah Taylor is criminal mastermind Johnny Royale and Alicia Alicia Alesha? Alesha. Alesha Rulin, that'll do. <laughs> Superpowered Dean Callista. Oz Comic Con Melbourne will move back to the Melbourne Convention and Exhibition Centre next year in uh, July 2015. Mm. Speaking about Oz Comic Con, Buffy the Vampire Slayer's Nicholas Brendan and Emma Caulfield will be coming to Australia for the Brisbane and Sydney cons next month. You can also see behind the panels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best guests announced yet. Um, finally, a CGC 9.0 rated copy of Action Comics number one has rocketed to 1.6 million in the first 24 hours of bidding on auction site eBay. The auction will continue through the 21st of August, 24th of August even, uh, and a portion of the proceeds will benefit the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation, an organisation dedicated to curing spinal cord injury. Now this is an interesting move because uh, those of you with long memories will remember that Nicolas Cage's mm. uh, copy of Action Comics number one, which wasn't rated as highly as this one in terms of quality, because um, apparently there's only about 30 non-restored copies of Action yeah, Comics and so, one so, left and in the world. Yeah, that's why he was shattered when it got stolen, if you remember. Yeah. There was that whole thing going on as well. Uh, so that went for apparently two point something. And there so, is a possibility, though, that also went higher because A, it was owned by Nicolas Cage, and B, it got stolen and then recovered. So yeah. there's a history to that book. So. so this one's only had about three or four previous owners. 
It is uh, apparently the owner was offered three million for it, and he chose to go on eBay instead. Wait, a minute, eBay? Yeah, eBay. This is it's it's he's using the eBay engine because it's basically uh, you you had to apply to be a bidder. Okay. On this, and seventy five people applied, but so far only five people have actually done all the bidding. <laughs> so One, there's no buy it now button. <laughs> no. <laughs> 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 it's up to you know, bid now for one point six two million, or buy it now for five. What's million. the shipping? <laughs> <laughs> will they ship to Australia? <laughs> it, it does actually. I've looked it up, and it'll, it will ship to Australia. <laughs> I'm sorry. The whole con- I think that what takes we the should wa- start a Kickstarter to get the money to pay for. <laughs> I think what takes the weight out of this entire story is just whenever the word eBay, eBay. comes out. You think Sotheby's, you think of some, you know, you think of the big auction houses, you know, and it's like. EBay? Because there are specialist <laughs> rare comic uh, um, auction houses. Yeah, yeah. Because I've looked up, tried, like, part of me wants to, because it goes for about six, 7,000 usually, a good copy of more fun comics number 73, mm. which is Green Arrow's first appearance. Right. And when uh, there are times where I think, oh, go on, treat yourself. Uh, <laughs> that, that'll be your first wall comic, you know? And then part of me thinks, oh, I could read reprints. It's okay. Like, I know it exists. I don't need yeah. it myself. Look, I love comic books, but I'm not a collector in that sense. I'm not going to... If I have a comic book, the reason I have comic books is so I can read them. You know? it's like, I'm, I'm a collector, but I'm not that much of a collector. No, I like you know? that. Like, you know, I, I would be terrified it was going to get stolen or, or destroyed. <laughs> well, what's the point in having a comic book is worth so much you have to keep it in the safe? Yeah, <laughs> you know right? I mean? Com- comics are made to be read. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, I think it's time we probably should do the kick-ass pick of the week. Is that what we normally do? That's what we normally do about No, this Dave normally tells me what to do. <laughs> he's not here. I'll press some buttons and, and be a good monkey. Well, see how you like this. What is it, Batman? Whatever it is, it's, it's awfully funny. <laughs> it's the pick of the week. One would think that with my long history, there would be very few mysteries left to fathom. But the more complex my existence becomes the more often I stumble upon questions without answers. What drives me on is the unraveling of these riddles. Created by Jim Starlin in 1973, Thanos has become the linchpin villain of the Marvel Cosmic Universe. Travelling to death and beyond, the Mad Titan must now team with his greatest foe, Adam Warlock, in search for the revelation that could shape the future. Returning to Marvel's stars, writer and artist Jim Starlin reminds us who made them shine in the first place in this original graphic novel. What awaits Thanos is nothing less than the ultimate question. But what will his final answer be? This is Thanos. The Infinity Revelation. Boy, is it. I must say that uh, that intro gave me goosebumps, but <laughs> it gave me goosebumps. But it also it says, "Will he? What will his final answer be?" The first thing we'll say about this book is, "I'm not sure." <laughs> I'm not sure what the question was, <laughs> and that's not to say I didn't like the book. No. I actually really liked the book. It is terrific to see Stalin back on these books. Nobody on, on writes characters. Thanos like Starlin. What I really love, there, there is a section in this book where um, it's going through when someone's talking about Thanos saying, oh, you know, that was the period where he did that and that was the period where I acted as an anti-hero for a while. That didn't sit well. And, I did that. and he's talking about all the other writers yes. that have taken on Thanos and, and it's basically Jim Starlin's going, I'm back now, bitches, so forget all of that. Yeah, and I also <laughs> love the fact that when they talk about Warlock, they go, yeah, he's died and he's lived and he's died and he's lived. He goes, yeah, he does that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a very knowing book. I mean, in the very first pages, he turns up and has a rap with the Guardians of the Galaxy, wearing uniforms, which are an amalgam of about 50 different things. Um, He's almost 
mocking everything else that's come since. Yes. Uh, because I love the fact that with that Guardians intro, though, the best thing about that is that he immediately uh, he talks straight to Drax and mm. says, "Let's try something different. Let's try and talk." And then by the end of it, he goes, "I should have known conversation was pointless." <laughs> and I love in that sequence too because it is balancing, and you know something is a little different. Because uh, in that conversation, in one panel, it's the modern Drax that we know. And the next panel, he is the original-looking Drax. Which is a motif that comes up a lot. And yeah. it was actually one of the things that caught, my, um, caught me off guard about halfway through the book when I realized that every alternate panel, and if you actually go back, because I went back and had a look, it's every alternate panel, mm. Warlock is in a different costume. Yes. He's in two different costumes. And he keeps going backwards and forwards between them. And I thought, is this a continuity error? Is there a problem here? And then by the end of the book, you start to realize that what you're actually reading in this book is two alternate universes yes. where the exact same events are taking place. So you're just literally each panel, each alternate panel is the other universe. And what we finally come down to is the conclusion of this book, which is what it's actually about. And all of that builds up to that cosmic uh, cataclysm, basically. <clears throat> this is uh, Jim Style, and the reason the name is so important is that apart from being the creator of Thanos, he is the creator of uh, well, Adam Warlock and all the. Mm. Well, he he is uh, the creator of the modern Adam Warlock, He's who was introduced as as no joke the Jesus Christ superstar of Marvel Comics, <laughs> and I and I know I'm not making that up. That is literally why he was introduced. Yeah. And but all, all the sort of not the modern modern versions of the the cosmic, because that's a lot of that's contributed to Giffen and Abnett and Lanning. Uh, but uh, certainly everything from the seventies upwards, sort of yeah. post Stan Lee, he he is the 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 father of of the Marvel Cosmic Universe, and he's here to to show us. He did all the the Infinity Gauntlets and anything with Infinity in the title is him. He's probably actually I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back that up and say he's probably the co-creator of the Marvel Cosmic Universe. Yeah, because the other half of that would be Chris Claremont. Because with yep. the introduction of the yep. Shira and the Star Jammers and all yes, of that was definitely. very much Claremont came out of the his seventeen year X Men run exactly and so you've got you've got you've got Stanley and Kirby basically kind of kickstarting it off with Silver Surfer yes but never really doing anything other than Silver Surfer and who, Gal- who makes and, an appearance in here absolutely and Galactus, and Galactus. For, the, for the Fantastic Four yeah. Then we have uh, Chris Claremont and Jim Starling say, there is a cosmic universe oh, out there. And the there. Inhumans came out of that era as well. Yeah, so, yeah. and it's like, kind of like, let's do something with it. Yeah. And these two guys, and in particular Starling, I think was the bigger influence on this by introducing people like Thanos. Mm. Uh, we basically build this empire, this uh, this universe out. And then, then in, the, in the mid-2000s, around <laughs> 2006, you get Annihilation, which is when all these characters had sort of fallen mm. by the wayside. And, and, and in, in that case, it was people like Keith Giffen bringing it together and going, what if we used all of these characters in a single story? And let's tie it all together. Style up, which is kind of what Stalin does here as well because his best stories are these big epics. Mm. And normally it's like a six-part series, which was like the Infinity Gauntlet, yes. which is also available as a massive omnibus because it includes all the tie-in issues of Silver Surfer and all that kind of thing as well. Um, so there's been a, a progression of like Infinity Crusade and mm. Infinity War and all those kind of things. Uh, nothing to do with Jonathan Hickman's Infinity, which is its own thing. Yeah, somebody actually mentioned that. And that yes, it does have Thanos in it, but it's not related. And it's- there's like one panel that acknowledges that because Thanos is sitting there and you see that kind of spider-like alien creature that was his kind of minion in Infinity, in a corner. Yeah. <laughs> and that's about his only acknowledgement yeah. of that existing, which is, it's, it's, it's very cheeky like that in some places because it's very self-aware. Um, but otherwise, this is the first time he's done this as a, an original graphic novel 
just a, this is a one-off. And that's the great thing about this book is that it references all this previous stuff, but like the death of Captain Marvel, which also references mm. um, so many other things, also Jim Starlin. Uh, and brilliant. And, yeah, absolutely brilliant. And this is kind of almost a successor to that. Um, in a way, because it, it uses the same motif. It, it references all of those other cosmic happenings and, and it's aware of its history, his own, Stalin's own personal history of this book and everything that's come since, but gives you something self-contained and new and a new twist to the character as well. Would it be fair to say that out of our two godfathers of the cosmic universe, your Claremont doing one side and your, your Stalin doing the other, and now particularly with this book, mm. would it be fair to say that your Chris Claremont was the, uh, let's say, the Star Wars-influenced cosmic universe? Because yeah. it, was, it was lots of you know spaceships flying around and yeah, yeah, fighting yeah. and so forth. Jim Starlin's much more the Kubrick side of things. Yeah. Because he gets cosmic. And this is the one thing that... He gets cosmic and existential. He gets very existential. And this and, and when he introduces the celestial beings and stuff like that. And, and yeah, that's, he would have fit in well with Jodorowsky's June. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and this is the whole thing with the Infinity Revelation here is that we have a reintroduction of major reintroduction of the celestial beings in their truest sense, which is they basically say something's about to happen. And wait, so we, should, we, should, we should point out that we haven't seen Adam Warlock since, uh, since yeah, the, the Thanos um, imperative, mm. which was when basically we, we lost uh, Star-Lord and Richard Ryder. And, and at that time it was actually, there was the alt, it was the alternate Warlock. It was the evil Adam Warlock. The, the Magus. The, the Magus. Ma- the Magus. The Magus. The Magus. Yeah. yeah, his last incarnation was the Magus. Um, so it is really and interesting for him to be reincarnated. And then When like- we last saw him in that, it was the, I think it was, was it the Church of Universal Truth were guarding his... Um, his cocoon. His cocoon. Yeah. And that's, as far as we knew, that's where he was. Yeah. So... Uh, so this is a return of two characters in a way. And I think you were saying to me a couple of weeks ago when we, we were talking about doing this book that we are going into it with some trepidation because the last Thanos thing we'd read... The Thanos Thanos Perry. Rising, wasn't Thanos it? Thanos Rising, Rising so. yeah. Because there was a Thanos annual earlier this year or last month from Jim Stalin as yes. well. Or bits and pieces. There's, <clears throat> there's a Stalin bit in that. Um, and we'd seen, I think you mentioned last week, that we'd seen bits of this book in... Free Comic Book yeah, Day. Yeah, Free Comic Book yeah. Day and stuff like that. So we kind of knew what we're getting into, but... We were worried because the last sustained Thanos book hadn't been very good. No, it had it had ups and downs. It was the book that you wonderfully uh, mocked them as Valley Girls. Yeah, it was. Point, he the literally titan, had, the Titan women. There, there were Titan women on there going like, you know, that Thanos. He's totally not going to be anything. Uh, uh, he's so weird. <laughs> and we had Thanos pulling the wings off flies and stuff. So it, it was. It was like the it was like the classic disturbed kid yes. who, who 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 did the ultimate act of going postal by destroying entire worlds and by. The end of Thanos Rising, it was actually okay. It kind of yeah. it kind of pulled itself back together. But and the it, first it had half, a troubled history too, because yeah. that book was originally going to be written by somebody else. It should have been written by Stalin. It should have been written by Stalin. Yeah. Stalin Stalin is not the only character that should have the right to do Thanos because he's he's appeared in other things and quite Thanos effectively. Had, well, Thanos, there is actually that one miniseries that leads into Annihilation, which were the, the yes. one that they mocked oh, in this. They mocked Thanos, in his where, anti-hero phase. His, his uh, kung fu stage where he's walking around without a uniform on and everything, trying to find out who he is and, and trying to get his anti-hero days. And that's a really good series, 10 issues or whatever it was, and that was actually really well done. And Thanos' appearances throughout the Abnett and Lanning uh, cosmic universe era were actually pretty interesting. Um, 
it's some of the most recent Thanos stuff hasn't been handled very well, and that's the problem. No, 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 no. That that Thanos series, by the way, if you're looking for it, if you want to start reading uh, the Annihilation stuff, you start with that Thanos. It's just called series. Thanos. It's just called Thanos, and that one uh, was actually uh, written by uh, it was written and, and illustrated by Jim Starlin. Right. So he does mock that in this in this sort of era, and, but he uh, that was probably the last time that we saw a sustained yeah. Thanos book. It in my mind, it, it is probably the definitive Thanos book uh, for me. Even though it's not the Infinity Gauntlet stuff, no. it's not all that stuff. The Infinity Gauntlet stuff has got this massive rep, and it really injures interest. We will do the Infinity Gauntlet at we'll, some point. We'll probably do it sometime after Avengers. Oh, he's not here. Sometime after Avengers, Age of Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have it recorded. Yeah. I know. <laughs> um, the thing about the Infinity Gauntlet is it's a little bit like how I perceive uh, the uh, uh, crises on the DC side, oh. which is it is kind of impenetrable because there's it, so it much tough. history and there's so many tie-ins. And as you said, the omnibus is like massive. You can you can also just get a trade paperback, which has just got the six issues or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you won't get the full Infinity no, Gauntlet experience. It's like it goes reading, off into that's like reading the six issues of Civil War and thinking you're really getting Civil War. Well, but, in between know. each of the Infinity miniseries, stuff happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which is kind of like you know this as well. This is so much has happened between the last time Stalin did Cosmic and this time. He has to acknowledge all that in the first 20 pages, which are a difficult read on some level because a lot's, there's a lot of exposition. Um, However, Stalin makes it work. And he do really you know, does, And though. do you know how he makes it work? Because his interpretation, and I guess because he created him, he knows him so well, his interpretation of Thanos is impeccable. And the, the, I love Thanos' speech pattern. I love the way he relates to people. Well, we saw in, in the intro, we heard a bit of one of his speeches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just love the fact that he is so dismissive of everything. Mm. It's like he'll be talking about something, somebody else will say something, and he'll just go, yo, whatever. You know? it's like, because he's so far above everybody else that it's just doesn't mean anything to him. Two know? things we have to talk about before we uh, leave this book, and we've got a bit of time still, but uh, one of them, of course, is the art. The other mm. one, of course, is the conclusion. We won't spoil it, but I, what, what I want to talk about is... Well, uh, we can spoil some of it. This, spoil is, some this of is, it. is our show. This is our show. We can do what we want on it. <laughs> yeah. Look, the artwork is classic Stalin, uh, but it's... Um, uh, I, have to be, I think it's classic Stalin. It's very Russian. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's classic Jim Stalin. It's 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 uh, it's it sort of he, his artwork has evolved over the years, and it's not you know you don't sort of get him doing what he was doing in the seventies and eighties. Uh, you get an updated version of that. Although the the costuming, as you've said, has that retro feel to it because he keeps referring back to yeah. uh, previous books. And again, I think that's also a reminder that this is his book and not somebody else's. Um, and it's a good old-fashioned classic Thanos. It is, and it's a good old-fashioned classic comic in the sense that it is in and out and it's a tale well told. Um, I really love the look of this book. And and we should just say, generally speaking, purely aesthetically, these Marvel OGNs that have been coming out, and we've done some of the other ones. We've done Spider-Man Family Business. Uh, we did the, um, the Avengers, Avengers uh, Endless, Endless Winter. War. Endless War. Endless War Time, that's right. Uh, we didn't do... Um, we almost did it. <laughs> we all, we almost did X-Men No More Humans, but see earlier comment about Troubled Period earlier this year. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and this is this is the, the most recent one, of course. These, this is a magnificent 
uh, production. Just as a side note, let's let's sidebar for one second. The mm, problem sidebar. I had, mm, sidebar. The problem I had with that X Men one though was the fact that it wasn't a standalone no, novel. It tied it, directly into Bendis's Battle of the Atoms. Yes, and that was actually a little bit misleading, as saying it's an original graphic novel, whereas Endless Wartime, Spider Man, Family Business, and this one are true graphic novels. Because I think the next one that they've announced, uh, which is coming up, uh, uh, Avengers. <clears throat> Rage of Ultron, which is coming out next year to tie in, to, to come out around the same time as right. Avengers Age of Ultron, <laughs> uh, will be, um, they, I think they said that it'll be an in-continuity book. So I don't know whether that means that it's not going to be elsewhere. You know, it's, it's not, you, mm. you, you, the you, thing you, about the you original parallel or it means that you have to read whatever the, the, the story is at the time in order to understand it. The thing I love about the original graphic novels is that they are standalone. Mm. Pick it up, read it, enjoy it, finished. And most of them have done that. Like yeah. the, the Spider-Man family business wasn't my favourite story, but it was a good romp and, and, and by the end of that story you felt complete. Hmm. And I, I actually really liked family business. And, but I, I think it was a lot of fun. You know? Go back and listen to our book on Avengers Endless Wartime. We, we talk about that as being potentially... Because um, I think that was Warren Ellis, wasn't it? Yes. Um, and we talk about that as potentially being an Avengers film. It is, it is so well, well structured and tight, it could have been an Avengers movie Absolutely. and you would have just gone, yeah, that was awesome. And that's what they should be. They should be yeah. like, this is a film. Yeah. You know, you walk in, you buy your popcorn. So each month we get the TV series. This is the film version of it. Exactly. And this really is. This is an epic film. This this conclusion that I'm talking about, this this thing that they're they're looking for, this revelation could shape the future. The holder of it sort of seems to be able to to craft reality in their own vision. And what we get to see in the end, not just the parallel storylines, as we said, parallel storylines have led us up to this, because we do see different versions of Adam Warlock. Same um, Thanos, though. Same Thanos. There's only one Thanos, man. Um, but we end up seeing what would happen if um, Adam Warlock got the chance to recreate reality. And it's batshit. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's almost Escher-esque at one it point. It is. It really is Escher-esque. And, and it's, it's, all, all, it's, it's, it's somewhere between Escher and Dali. You know, and it's just, it is, it is crazy. And you see what a, for all of his madness, what a structured mind Thanos has. Mm. And he actually references that earlier in the book where he talks about this, 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 this chamber he goes into, which to, to Warlock seems crazy. But it's his sort of uh, bizarre version of sensory deprivation. He goes in there to clarify his thoughts with like all of this, all of his subconscious surrounding him at once. But that's how he yeah. clarifies his thoughts. So you have two people: one who's ostensibly a hero, Thanos, ostensibly the villain, both reaching clarity, and you almost wonder whether or not if Thanos got his way and ruled the universe in his own image. Would that be such a bad thing? You well, and this, and this brings us to the conclusion of this book because I was a little confused mm. and I really liked it, but like a, like a good Stanley Kubrick movie, you kind of walk away going, I have questions. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Mm. So I'm going to throw out an interpretation and let's see if this is kind of what you got out Hit of me. it. <clears throat> and we'll see if we can kind of make sense of this. So my interpretation of the book, now I've only read this once. I'm planning on reading it. I, I'm yeah. planning on reading it again because I want to clarify – the cosmic entities basically mm. say there's an event coming, something that's being put into motion. We now have, and what we realize by the end of the book, is two absolutely parallel universes, which obviously we don't need. 
because they are so close to each other that we only really need one of these universes. And the events in motion in this book were basically the cosmic universe cleaning itself up is the way I interpreted it. And so what Thanos thought was going to be this major revelation turns out to be not so much of a revelation, but he's being used as a conduit to help bring those two realities into one reality. So by having, and because there's Warlock along with him, what you end up with is in one reality is shaped by Warlock, one reality is shaped by him, but by them countering each other, we end up bringing normalcy back to one universe yes. as opposed to having two. And it's and the, the art around that is magnificent when mm. you see a, a universe collapsing in on itself. Yeah. There's also uh, one thing that you can't get away from when you're talking about Thanos is his difficult relationship with death. Yes. Um, <laughs> both as a concept and as an actual person. Uh, that Thanos Rise we talked about was about his romantic relationship with very death. sad when he went to death's realm and she rejected him. She, she reje- death has rejected him, but also, yeah, and by the end of this book, spoilers people, death has embraced him. Yeah. But the irony is because death has embraced him, and this has always been the thing with Thanos, death, death, he won't die. Like, he can't die. He wants death to embrace him, but the way she embraces him here is it's implying that she won't let him go either. She needs him as an agent on, yeah. on the plane. So yeah. he, he, Thanos is as much an agent of other people as he is his own actor. And it actually makes Thanos quite a tragic character because Thanos is always <laughs> chasing something. And the reason he does what he does is never actually for malicious evil. No. He is doing for what he does because he is trying to seek the love and solace of, of death. Yeah. And as he says, when he got the Infinity Gauntlet or when he got a Cosmic Cube or all the, he said, I never sought immortality. I never sought omnipotence. No. That's not what he was looking for, nope. you know? And so he's never, he's ne- and that's what makes him such a compelling villain whenever he goes against the Avengers and stuff like that is because his motivations aren't driven by what the same thing that like a Dr. Octopus is being driven <laughs> by or something like that. He is this, he is a cosmic force. And, and un- undoubtedly that's why Marvel have chosen him as mm. to as to be the one villain that seems to unify several phases of this cinematic universe. Uh he, we first saw him in at the event of at the end of Avengers. We see him again in phase two. Don't want to spoil anything for people who aren't up to date. Yep. Um and we know that he is going to be a driving force that the infinity we, we guess that the Infinity Gauntlet um, story and that's been hinted at in the last few films will form a large part of phase three and the third Avengers film. Yeah that's what I my my, inter- my impression is that Avengers three will be the. It, it's because Gauntlet. he he is the villain to which all villains aspire, but also he is the villain, as you said, who is far more compelling because he isn't just a. Even though he's portrayed so far mm. as just being omnipotent and evil, there's so much more than there's that. There's a rich history, and and Thanos, him. the Infinity Revelation, reminds us of that. Mm. So. This is a big recommend from me. Oh, a big recommend. And this is also a reminder as to why we loved Adam Warlock so much yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Warlock's back now and, and you know, and we've got... Bendis, do you hear this? Guardians need to meet, hook up with Warlock now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so because apparently there was a company-wide... Oh, 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 I oh. almost forgot. Yeah. And... The uh, the uh, we have the uh, what the, what are they called the, uh, the oh my god the annihilators the annihilators are in here yeah the yeah, annihilators coming for a cameo we haven't seen them since uh, since their in, book since their book and infinity uh, Thanos uh, yeah uh, what was it called uh, uh, Thanos the, imperative imperative yeah, yeah. Uh, so and then they get dismissed pretty quickly but <laughs> wow do um, they but that just shows you about him as well as yeah because they, they were meant to be is. the four most powerful people in the in the 
known universe. Thanos. Not to Thanos. Thanos. No. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, th- this is a yeah, big recommend from us. It's a great as a standalone book, uh, but also uh, and the other thing we should say that when you get this book, you get a digital copy of it. Yes. You buy the as you do copy. with all the OGM. Yeah, so definitely go and get this book. You can read it without reading the other cosmic stuff, but if you've listened to this show, you know we recommend all cosmic stuff because mm. it's mostly pretty good. Put it this way, if you were going to have all your cosmic books laid out in chronological order and you wanted to read the cosmic universe, this is now very much tagged at this the is end. at the end of, the, end of that run yeah. so far um that's uh that for that book next week uh and i can't remember if long goes back with this next week or not. i think next week's okay uh I i'm could not be sure wrong. actually we'll find out but uh we're going to be doing the wake by scott snyder and sean murphy which is a 10 issue series that has just wrapped up in the last couple of weeks i'm Intriguing not book. i don't know if it's out in trade yet but you can certainly get it on digital uh, so it's an intriguing book. We've spoken about it back when it first started I'm coming actually, out. I've only read, the, I've read the first four, I think it is. Yeah, I did about I, the same and then and realized. I stopped reading. Exactly yeah. right. So the, we said we'll, we'll do it when it finishes. Mm. So it's finished. So we're going to go and do that. Um, until next week, you can find me on Twitter at DVD Bits. And you can, of course, find me updating behindthepanels.net all the time. And you can find me on Twitter at Dave McVeigh. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me at geekactually.com. And soon you will find me on the Oz Comic Con stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as a reminder, because uh, we didn't mention it before, uh, we, I think we may have mentioned it before once or twice. Um, we mentioned that if you go to the Oz Comic Con website, which is ozcomicon.com, you go to the Sydney events page, you'll find out all the details of our and show we're there. there. <laughs> we're there. We're there. We're there. We're So we hope to see as many of you as possible. But either way, go and support Oz Comic Con no matter what city you're in. We hope this is the start of several of these. Mm. So until then, I'm Richard Gray. I'm Dave McVeigh. And this is Behind the Panels. Thank you.